I'm Danny Stover, and this is Today in T.O., a podcast that takes a look at the biggest stories in the city and connects the dots on what's going on. On today's episode, have you ever heard of the Giants of Jordan? You'll have to look up, as they've been keeping watch over the city for the better part of the last century. Plus, Mayor Olivia Chow sat down with Premier Doug Ford to keep talking about how broke the city is. As one wise man once said, show me the money. And as one wise woman once said, help me, I'm poor. But perhaps the answer to all our problems lie in the Gardner Expressway and the DVP. You'll also learn more about the Waterfront East LRT and get the story behind the Portlands, a part of Toronto that's undergoing a massive glow up. But at one point, it was where up to 80,000 gallons of liquid manure drained into the marsh per day. That's all coming up on Today in T.O. heard of the Giants of Jordan. They've been watching over the city of Toronto for the better part of the last century. And if you've never noticed them before, try looking up the next time you're in the downtown core. Back in 1931, the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce opened its brand new head office in Toronto at the southwest corner of King and Young. At the time, it was the tallest building in the Commonwealth at a height of 145 meters. The CN Tower, by comparison, is over 550 meters, but it wasn't even a blueprint at this time, meaning the OG CIBC building was the first pillar in a skyline yet to be realized. And I gotta say, I'm biased, but I think Toronto has got one of the best skylines in the world. On the 32nd floor of the building that was and is quite the architectural masterpiece with gold coffered ceilings and art deco details, there is an observation deck. And that's where you'll find a semi-secret view of the city and the giants of Jordan. Four big-ass heads carved into the stone, their hardened expressions looking out over Toronto from the heart of the financial district. They're called the giants of Jordan because they overlook Jordan Street, a small road just west of Young. In fact, here's what you got to do. The next time you find yourself in the financial district, head to Commerce Court Square. It's lovely this time of year. Go check out the Tembo, Mother of Elephants sculptures. You can't miss them. It's literally a big elephant and two adorable babies following closely behind. Look at them, then look up to the east, way up. And there, if you squint just a little, you can make out the four giants. Oh, and I almost forgot to tell you, each one represents something different. Courage, observation, foresight, and enterprise. And I kind of feel like the city is lacking in those areas right now. And that's because we're broke. This isn't new news. In fact, it feels like very old news. We were broke before Olivia Chow became mayor. And so you'll probably remember a big part of the Toronto by-election campaigning involved who would be the best person to ask our two dads for more money. And at the end of September, Mayor Chow did meet with Canada's finance minister, Krista Freeland, for the first time in Toronto. This was billed as an opportunity to discuss how the two governments could work together to ensure Toronto thrives. And Chow said the meeting was wonderful and was not about announcements or deliverables, but it was constructive. And look, 
I don't need to know all of the details of the talk, but when you say we need help immediately and you keep stating over and over and over again how big the budget hole is, and by the way, it's about $1.5 billion deep, it might be helpful to know how the feds, and the province for that matter, plan on pitching in. Why are the money problems so bad? Well, as Matt Elliott wrote as a contributing columnist for the Toronto Star back in 2022, the city's budget challenges were born almost 25 years ago with the amalgamation and no real sustainable funding model. Now, David Ryder is the City Hall Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star, and he'll tell you the most surprising thing to come from that meeting last month was when Doug Ford agreed with Olivia Chow. Yeah, she's right. Toronto has a structural financial problem. It's not wasted City Hall. There's no way they can balance that budget. So good talks, creative talks, wonderful talks with the feds. And then on Monday, Chow sat down at Queen's Park with Premier Doug Ford. And together, they sort of formed a united front. Great. So the city will get some money. Oh, no. They wrote a letter Chow and Ford penned a letter to Trudeau on Monday urging the feds to come to the table and cut a new deal for Toronto, one that will cover housing, transit, crumbling infrastructure, and essential and critical services. But where's the urgency? A letter? Anyway, there is one way to maybe move this forward, an idea to actually help the city with some of its budget woes. Probably the greatest idea Ah, nah, forget it. It's just a rumor right now, and it's more of a Shelbyville idea. But hey, you're twice as smart as the people of Shelbyville, so I'll fill you in on it after this. Here's what we know. Toronto is trying to find ways to climb out of a $1.5 billion budget hole. Here's what we don't know. How that will happen, exactly. But there is this one idea. David Ryder at the Toronto Star and his colleague Ben Spur broke the story by working some sources, but it's a familiar beat. What if the city didn't have to pay for the costly Gardner Expressway and the Don Valley Parkway, and instead... The provincial government footed the bill. Maddie Simiotechi is director of the Infrastructure Institute at the University of Toronto. The city has been knocking on a lot of doors in terms of money. They've been asking for money uh, for public transit and for service operations, uh, where there's been a, a big gap because of uh, the drop in fare revenue and ridership. They just put out a, a housing plan that asked for uh, upwards of a billion dollars every year, plus loan support. So uh, the city is asking for a huge amount of money, and this, this would uh, only fill a, a small amount of uh, the requests that are being made. So... It'll help a small amount, but let's make a case for it. Last year, city staff estimated that annual maintenance costs for both highways that are now 60 plus years old comes to about $16 million a year, while $2.2 billion has been budgeted over the next decade for rehabilitation of the 18-kilometer stretch of the Gardner. This was a bit of a hot topic during the by-election, and former candidate Anna Bailao was all over it. The reason why I was putting this forward is I was looking for things that Ford could say yes to. And we know that he doesn't want to go into new taxes. We know that most of his support is around the 905. 
Who uses the Garden and the DVP most? People that live around Toronto. That was why people in Toronto really uh, connected with this issue because it's only coming out of our property taxes, but the majority of the people actually that use it are people from outside Toronto. So this mm. should be coming from income taxes as well. About 40% of trips on these highways comes from non-Toronto residents. And the province funds all of the other 400 series highways, including the 404, which turns into the DVP, which then turns into the Gardner. As many have pointed out, this won't solve all our problems, but it's not nothing. I do wonder if it's a a trial balloon that's being floated, but if it's real, it's significant. Uh, This has been asked for uh, for a long time. Uh, Mayor Tory asked about it. Uh, It was an issue in the, the recent municipal election. Uh, So if it's real, it's significant. It doesn't actually solve all of the city's fiscal challenges. It has multi-billion dollar challenges uh, between transit and housing uh, and shelter support. So these highways are money pits. There's a a rehabilitation program going on that's valued at $1.89 billion at the moment. And then both of these facilities have to be maintained as long as they're operational, which has also been very expensive. So uh, this could be a short-term win, but it does have long-term financial uh, implications too. I mean, one thing I would definitely be making sure of if, and I said if, the province does upload the costs of the gardener and the DVP is that Doug Ford doesn't try and secretly put a huge spa on it. But as David Ryder with the Toronto Star points out. Yeah, it keeps the gardener aloft. Doug Ford is not going to bring it down. He's been very uh, focused on that in the past. It also removes, uh, frankly, a political headache for Olivia Chow. She did quote, uh, kind of surprised me during the election in saying the gardener's coming down, even though council you know, had, had voted to keep it up and rebuild it aloft at great expense. And while they haven't started constructing it, there's like a fair bit of design and prep work on the current plan. So presumably you would be throwing that out. This is definitely something we will keep you posted on. But something else we're keeping our eyes on is this Waterfront East LRT report. City staff are recommending council approve an alignment, which basically means they want the go ahead to move forward on a four kilometer light rail transit line and refine the costs later. Now, the line is proposed to run from Union Station to Bay Street to Queens Quay and then along the lakeshore to Villiers Island, providing over 50,000 daily trips and supporting the 100,000 people who will someday call the Portlands area home. It's projected to cost as much as $2.6 billion, which, of course, is up from earlier estimates of approximately $2 billion. Already, the city, the TTC, and Waterfront TO have spent $36 million developing the line. Another $36 million has been budgeted, but staff are asking someone, anyone, for more than $63 million to continue to advance the design. It needs funding. And if it doesn't get funding, that could be sunk costs for the city. And they're already standing on mushy ground. Speaking of mushy ground, welcome to the Portlands. This part of the city has a bright future, but it's got a real industrious and kind of disgusting past. At one point, part of this marsh was used as a dumping ground for up to 80,000 gallons of liquid manure per day. With more on the history of the Portlands, here's producer Glenn Bergonier. And before I go any further, I need to touch on what Danny just said. She did just say 80,000 gallons of liquid manure. Yes, that's a thing. Yes, it really happened. But before we dive into that crap, let's start somewhere a little bit cleaner. How about we start back in 1790, when the Portlands was considered one of the largest freshwater marshes in all of Lake Ontario and was home to dozens of different species of wildlife, from aquatic to waterfowl. But 
As the town of York, which would eventually develop into Toronto, began to grow, as always, pollution followed. And back in those days, simply dumping it into the water was seen as cleaning up. The Portlands have easy access to the Don River, so it became a haven for mills to establish a lawn and quickly get goods and waste down the river efficiently. This had two major negative effects on the luscious marsh. First, the amount of mills that established on the Don River set up a series of physical barriers, which in turn heavily disrupted aquatic life that migrated, such as salmon populations, and effectively decimated the population. And second, the river was used to literally transport 80,000 gallons of pure crap, better known as manure. And when I say transport, I meant more that it was just dumped into the river and bled into the marsh and subsequently into the lake, essentially making a beautiful natural marshland into an open sewage. Now let's jump ahead multiple eras to the 1920s. And now that essentially toxic marsh has been completely filled in to create over 200 hectares of usable land, with another 200 shortly to follow when it was expanded on again. At times, it is believed that the Portlands would become a major shipping lane for the city of Toronto, and so much of the area was built up to support this. However, by the 1980s, this plan was ultimately abandoned, but much of the 400 hectares remained completely underutilized. Now let's jump ahead another 20 years to the year 2000, and multiple movie studios and production companies have moved into the area and are helping to breathe fresh life into this budding community. And now, the Portlands is home to beautiful regions of Toronto, such as Cherry Beach or Tommy Thompson Park, and somehow a vast majority of this land is still underused. But on the plus side, the renaturalization of the Don River, especially near the mouth of the river, is only growing stronger to this day bringing back some of the once lost beauty of the marsh to this great city of Toronto. I gotta say, I'm actually really excited for the Portland's new look. I pass by it all the time, and it's quite amazing to bear witness to the progress. We'll keep you posted on that as well, but right now it's time to make like a river and meander out of this damn place. This podcast is brought to you by 640 Toronto and features audio from shows across the Chorus Entertainment Network. My name's Danny Stover. Today in TO is produced by me, Glenn Bergonier, and David Spargala. Chris Dunner and Andrew Dernford are advisors to the show. We've got a brand new episode for you next Wednesday, so I hope you'll join me again. Till then, have a gorgeous week and stay safe and warm, and we'll chat again soon. Bye-bye. Stream on Stack TV.